God is a healer. We started a biblical view of healing, and we started off with the fact that God is a healer. He reveals himself as a healer. Uh, last week, we began to identify and remove some of the filters, and today we're going to start on the ingredients for the supernatural. So let's pray. Lord, we just acknowledge how much we need you. Lord, I just acknowledge my weakness and how much I need you. Lord, you're the only one who's supernatural. And you're the only one who can reveal yourself as supernatural and then manifest yourself as supernatural. Nothing we can do to make that happen except submit ourselves to you. And we do that this morning and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. How many of you have ever made bread? Anybody? There you go. There's certain ingredients you have to have to make bread, right? Uh, You can kind of adjust the ingredients a little bit. You can substitute the ingredients. You can add extra stuff. But normally, if it doesn't have some sort of flour, it's not bread. Now, you can make it with yeast, and it can be bread that rises, or you can make it without yeast, and it can be flatbread, like tortillas. You can make it with some sort of other rising agent. You can add a little bit of salt. Some people add sugar. When we moved back to the States, we were shocked that all the bread in the States has sugar in it. We couldn't find any without sugar. That tells you something about the States. Who really cares? <laughs> the idea is that there are certain ingredients that are necessary if it's actually going to be bread. If you want to make peanut butter, you might use different ingredients. You probably don't need flour and yeast and salt. You can do something else. But if you want bread, it has to have certain ingredients. When we talk about the supernatural, there are some ingredients. They might vary in amount. They might vary in importance in the situation. But you'll find, as you look in the Bible, that these ingredients are pretty much necessary. There are four ingredients we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. I was actually going to try and do two of them today. It's not going to happen. So I'm going to do one today, one next week, and then a few weeks later we're going to get to the others uh, because we've got another schedule. But uh, what are they? They're the presence of God, their faith, relationship, and obedience. Four very simple things. We're going to talk about all of them because they might not be what you think they are. Now, what I'm talking about are ingredients for partnering with God to see the supernatural. God can do it on his own. And so we're not talking about what God does. We're talking about how we partner with God to see the supernatural. God doesn't need our obedience if he's going to do it on his own. He actually doesn't even need our faith if he's going to do it on his own. He can do that, but we're talking about partnering with him. You still with me? So I want to hit the first one today, which is the presence of God. That seems obvious. So much so that I shared that two weeks ago, and I tried to go past it last week, 
God didn't allow us, and I tried to go past it this week, and he didn't allow me. Uh, I think there's something that he's got to confirm in our hearts that he's the one who's supernatural. Luke 8, verse 46, is the story of the woman who came and touched Jesus. In verse 48, Jesus said, someone touched me. He said, who touched me? And as we talked last week, all the disciples said, everyone's touching you. What do you mean? He said, no, I felt power going out from me. The power was in Jesus. And he felt that power going out. We need to understand, God is supernatural. And he reveals himself as a healer, which means healing is in him. Now that seems so obvious, but there is a many thousand year ploy of the devil to get us to look away from God to something else. The lie of the enemy is we don't need God. I want to get technical here with you for a moment. We're going to talk about Babylonian mythology. And uh, Christy is a wonder. She made a, this is Babylonian mythology in a picture form. And it basically is this. They believe that men, there were men and then there were this realm of gods, many gods, which is a lie of the devil, many gods, and men interacted with God through sacrifices and doing certain things. But not all the gods liked people. There were some that were on man's side, but there were some that were anti, and so there was often a conflict in the gods. And so men learned that there was a realm above the gods. We're going to call it fate, for lack of a better term. It was kind of like an impersonal force. And that if they learned the right rituals and incantations, they could impact that realm of fate and force the gods to do what they wanted them to do. Now you say, who really cares about Babylonian mythology? I'm going to tell you why you should. Because the devil is the god of the ruler of this world. The god of this world. The whole world lies in the influence of the wicked one. He's not very creative. He's recycled the same lie down through the ages. The same ingredients. If you learn the right rituals and incantations, if you have the special knowledge, you can impact this realm and force gods to do what you want to do. That was recycled in the early Christian days with Gnosticism. You have this special realm of knowledge that allows you to impact the realm of the spirit. It continued something called the metaphysics. Metaphysics is the belief that my beliefs and my declarations can actually change the physical realm. Okay, it it became the basis for Scientology. And it's basically a belief that I can actually do it. You see what's happening here? You guys are sharp. I'm sure you're seeing that. It was picked up in modern culture. Have any of you ever seen Star Wars? The force be with you, Luke. What is that? It's an impersonal realm that if you learn how to tap into it, you have this supernatural ability. What is that realm? Guys, it's demonic. Yeah. 
It's a lie of the devil. But it comes in. You see it in popular Harry Potter. Right? You just learn the incantations. And you have power. Bottom line is that anything that takes the power out of God and puts it somewhere else means that if we learn how to wield it, we're the ones in charge. It came back into the extreme faith movement of the late 70s and early 80s where there was a belief that if you just change fate to faith, there was a realm, the power was in faith. And if you learn the right declarations, you could actually impact that realm and you could command God to do what you wanted. In fact, the teaching in the early 80s was that God accessed the realm of faith when he declared, when he spoke the worlds into being. And so what does it do? It takes the power outside of God and it puts it somewhere else. And that's the lie of the enemy. And that's the thing we face every day in everything we do that we think if I learn the right things, I don't actually need relationship with God. If I learn how to do it, I can be in charge. Sound familiar? Genesis. The uh, temptation. If you eat of this, you'll be like God. Same old lie of the enemy. He's challenging people. We have to be aware that when we start moving into the realm of the supernatural, it's only God who is supernatural. You are not supernatural. Faith is not supernatural. We'll talk about faith next week. The supernatural, there is a spiritual realm and there is a devil, but, it's, but we're not talking about partnering with the devil for the supernatural. We're talking about partnering with God, right? See, if all you want is the supernatural, you have two options. You can partner with God to see what he wants to do, or you can partner with the devil. We all know what the outcome of that is. Why am I saying this? You're asking. Who really cares? Because the number one ingredient, everything else is based on this, that God is the healer. Not us. We get to partner with him. We get relationship with him. We get to be led by his spirit. And in obedience, we see something supernatural happen. But it's not us. It's him. The power doesn't rely on us. New Age movement says it's God within you. You have the power. I've got the power. <laughs> See, it, anything that takes it away from God. There is another aspect that comes with this that we're going to talk more about later. I just want to mention it, and that is that in relationship with him, we have the authority to use his name. Now, using God's name is not a method, it's not a formula, it's not an uh, incantation, it's not a ritual. It's actually in partnership with him. We get to represent his authority. How do I know that? I'm glad you asked. 
Because in uh, Acts 19 and verse 16, we see someone who thinks that the power is in the declaration rather than in God. And you get this wonderful little story, just for all of us in case we missed it. Uh, Verse 14, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so in the evil spirit. uh, Sorry, verse 13. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. But what, as you know, what happened is that the, uh, the man in whom the evil spirits leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed them, they fled out of their house naked and wounded, verse 16 says. Why is that important? Because the name of Jesus is not a incantation. The name of Jesus only has authority when we're in relationship with him, and he's delegated that authority. We're going to talk more about that later. But it still comes down to the presence of God. You still with me? Great. That's it. That's all for today. I planned to go beyond that. And the Holy Spirit said, no, we're going to stop there. We're going to go back into worship. And we're going to press into the presence of God. For some reason, we have to get this in our hearts. I don't know if you ever heard the story. Juan Carlos Ortiz told a story once about preaching in a church. He led a, a church in uh, Argentina, and he was praying one day, and he said, God, what do I, what do I preach today? And God said, what did you preach last week? He said, I preached about the love of God. He said, wonderful. He said, yeah, it was really good. What did I preach this week? He said, what did they do with what you preached last week? <coughs> Nothing. Then why would you preach something else? So he got up and he said, God loves us and we're to love others. And then he sat out. Why? Because too often we think if it's just the hearing, it's not the hearing, it's the doing. So we're going to press into God's presence and simply see what he wants to do. There's a whole lot more of this. I, I had this all planned out. But my problem was I had this nice schedule planned out of this series, and I've got Tony's going to share part of it, and Lance is going to share part of it, and I had it all planned out. And I really struggled when God kind of undid my schedule because now it doesn't flow how I thought it should. See, what happened and what he showed me is I was thinking it was the information rather than the reality. We can talk about the presence of God, but it's the presence of God that changes, not knowing about it. And I was going to rush through that and rush on into the issue, the whole realm of talking about faith. But that's going to take more time. So I'm going to ask you, if you like to stand to worship, you can. If you like to be seated, however you're comfortable, we're just going to continue and press in for a few minutes to His presence.